0: Why should CBUS members have insurance through CBUS Super? Maybe it's because we understand the risks of working in our industries. Maybe it's because we offer cover that is tailored to protect building and construction workers, even those working at heights. Or maybe it's all of these reasons. So why not consider CBUS Super? CBUS, for all of us consider if CBUS is right for you, visit cbussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS.
1: I had to go about it, write it out.
0: This is The Final Word. It's a cricket podcast hosted by me, Adam Collins, and him, Jeff Lemon. I'm in England. He's in Australia, as is so often the case. Indeed, he's sitting in one of my favourite cricket grounds in the world, Marniker Oval, in the nation's capital of Canberra. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hello, Adam. Yes, that's exactly where I am. I'm looking out over the picturesque over Oval, the empty grass banks where uh, we've just seen today the, uh, the, the fun stuff of the Thailand team, just for a minute, making England scared that they were going to lose to Thailand. Mm. And then <laughs> um, the, an excellent win, a clinical win, if you dare say it, from Pakistan over West Indies. I would say Pakistan women's team uh, across the history of women's cricket have been the least clinical team out of all teams. They're the team that did not go to medical school. But... They were clinical today, and and it was super impressive. The best I've seen them bat easily.
0: This is where we've got hive mind. I've just sent my dispatch off, my video dispatch, and I said almost exactly the same thing that we're, right. we're used to. Uh, Pakistan in big tournaments pulling off upsets, of course, most famously in the twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen edition of these tournaments uh, where they beat India. But um, it's always a scrap. It's like a 100- hundred. Mm. Versus 100, and, and they, you know, win off the last ball. And it's ball messy. Ball,
1: they... Yeah, and, and they, don't, they don't look like a team that should win a game, but they somehow do.
0: That's right. The other teams had a bad day, and exactly. They won by. one And when we'll come to um, the Pakistan story in a bit more depth when we talk more about the, the T20 World Cup. Of course, that's going to be the main focus of today's show. Jeff, um, we have a great feature interview. I haven't had a chance to listen to all of it, but um, you sat down with, like all of the Thailand's eyes with a translator. Uh, And I mean, the the Thailand story is one we really wanted to tell uh, and and you've had the chance to to spend some time with them in Canberra and, and tell it for us. Yes, I did. I sat down with three members of the Thai team, uh, the captain,
1: Sonarin Tirpok and also Natakan Chantam and Naramal Chaiway, and also with their team manager, who's also their translator. So Shan Carter is, has been with the team since 2008. He's the guy who basically built the, the program for Thai cricket, which eventually decided to focus on the women's team. Um, and he's still with them now. That's a wonderful story in its own right. He speaks English and Thai and, and acts as the translator. And also Harshal Patak, who's their coach from India, from Maharashtra. So all five of them. I've never interviewed five people at once before, so it was quite fun. It was, it was five of us throwing the mic around, and you've got translations and um, various languages happening, and various people being asked things and having to, to throw the mic across the room. So uh, our, our editor DC has done a wonderful job of clipping that all together. So it's it, it's nice. And um, what's the version of legible for the ear, I, intelligible, uh, it, so that it. Or- so that it runs smoothly. or well, It's definitely audible. Yeah. You, things can yeah, be audible, yeah. <laughs> but you can't understand them. Can't understand them, um, true enough. And then it was fun it was it was chaotic and it was a whole lot of fun and and they're you know they actually are the stereotype of a team who are, you know where all the players are very happy to laugh at, at everything and take every opportunity to, to have a good time so that was fantastic um, and then really loved the the way they started against england today where they took two wickets in the first two overs and suddenly had the english saying oh shit <laughs> um, before heather knight and that's ever put that to bed with the the biggest partnership in the history of
0: this tournament so it, it's been a busy day of cricket Yeah, I mean, it's been great to track their story over the last couple of years. Uh, T20 international status helped them considerably. They won 17 games in the trot to make this tournament. Uh, There was a lovely moment at the end of the game today where Heather Knight presented them with a a gift. And I'm reliably informed that there's a card inside that says that we hope to play you in many more world tournaments. So, I mean, we were a little bit critical last week of some of the conversation around Thailand, but uh, that is how sort of patronising it was really but um I think with the ball, there, especially with the ball, they're showing that they have the ability um, to, to duke it out at this level. They just don't have kind of the batting strength yet, which will come in time, and I'm, I'm sure you've gone into that with them as well. I love as well that they're, they're doing it their way. I mean, it's um, how th- they don't look like a conventional cricket team. They they sort of, the way they celebrate, the way they, um, they the way they conduct themselves in the field and so forth, I mean, they're doing it their way, and I think there's something to be said for that as well, and that speaks to the way they've recruited uh, the players Out of the villages, they haven't relied on expats. A lot of teams that come into um, affiliate and associate cricket are relying on expats. And that's not a bad thing. It's one way to get to the the top level. And Thailand have gone a different way altogether, investing specifically in women's cricket, not men's cricket. That's another quirk of their story. So, yeah, I'm glad glad you've had the the chance to to do that uh, today. And I'm looking forward to listening to the interview back once it's all been... Put together by DC that's great stuff
1: the most important thing we have to talk about today as far as the final word goes uh, the most relevant thing is that there's, it's a moment of joy a day of joy Glenn James Maxwell has announced his engagement to Vinnie Raman, who is a a wonderful human being in her own right I've had the pleasure of meeting her a couple of times at the, at the last two um, Australian Cricket Awards nights actually and she's, she's someone who's outside cricket and, and doesn't, isn't in that circle and I think that's important to... Give him a, a bit of fresh air away from the game. Um, he credited her with being the person who made him realise that he, he needed a break when he had that mental health break last year. And um, they've uh, they've uh, announced that they're they're going to make it a permanent thing. And that's a, a lovely little day.
0: Great stuff, Glenn. Yeah, the uh, when we interviewed Glenn was when was it? It was before the World Cup. Uh, on the final word, he he talked about uh, Vinnie didn't he about giving him that broader perspective that he required to perform at his best and yeah what great news to i think we were just sort of preparing for the podcast when that came through on social media so nicely done glenn
1: your uh news from your own home front i understand your baby's <laughs> belly button just came off which frankly i didn't know was a thing that happened i wasn't aware that humans did that
0: yeah yeah it was just as uh you're about to call me to do this uh uh, Winnie's uh, umbilical cord the, the bit they clamp um, when they when it's cut and so forth um, just fell off so she's got a little innie um, we're going to talk about innies in terms of in swingers later on uh, when mm-hmm. we come to the uh, our discussion on the on the Australia Sri Lanka um, game a couple of days ago she's going well Uh, she's 12 days old today appropriately when watching uh, her first game of cricket so I sat her down with me on the couch to sort of watch the I say sort of because she was sleeping at different intervals but um, the Australia-South Africa T20 the first one on Friday and and sure enough she was awake for um, the first of Ashton Agar's uh, wickets. Uh, she was awake for the second one, and she fell asleep just before he completed the hat trick. So, that's sort of a, a nice little uh, link back to me and my um, various um, moments where I've missed hat tricks over the years. So, but no, she's she's been wearing a cricket jumper as I mentioned last week. She's looking forward to getting to Lords in April, and and now she'll be doing so with with a with a proper belly button. So, it's been a, again another great week. Um, sort of mostly focusing on her and and watching the, the Women's World Cup with her, and um, yeah, it, it feels like there's a nice bit of synergy between those two things.
1: May she have many happy years of finding strange things caught in that belly button <laughs> as her life unfolds. Um, in, in other <laughs> important news this week, and now steady yourself, take a seat. I know you'll be shocked <laughs> by this. Umar Akmal, of all people, one of the Akmal brothers, Umar Akmal has been suspended from the on the eve of the Pakistan Super League by his home board, an investigation into alleged spot fixing. Now, I was shocked. I was shocked when I heard this. <laughs> this bowled me over. It was right up there with uh, news that the wild e. coyote has uh, is, is under investigation for potentially trying to eat a roadrunner. I c- couldn't believe it, Adam. And I know that you'll be bowled <laughs> over as
0: well. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that, uh, that, that, that uh, I don't know, what can you say, uh, sometimes th- these things uh, seem foretold and and uh, with Umar Akmal for, I don't know why, but it, it just felt like this might happen at some stage and... <laughs> Um,
1: Probably really because is. of all of the supremely dodgy shit that he did, <laughs> like refusing well, to man. play if his brother got dropped from the team, <laughs> <laughs> or or if, it was yes. only a few weeks ago he just got a reprimand for exposing himself at a training session. So basically, Umar Akmal's always been a bit fat for a professional player, and they were putting him through a, a punishing training regimen to say you have to get fit if you want to play for Pakistan again. And he was um, he was so exercised, if you will, the the, the different spelling. He was so. Uh, or the different meaning. He was so annoyed by being forced to do physical labour that he just got the prawn cocktail out at training and waved it around at the trainers to signal his displeasure. Now, that's a I unique way of, of of conveying annoyance, but it was
0: Umar's way. Uh, imagine just getting the old boy out. So I'm not I'm not happy with the way things are going. I mean... Imagine
1: service is a bit slow at a cafe and you're like, well, yeah. let me put my cards on the table. And by cards, I mean penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: oh, gosh, you can't, you can't do that I mean I know he's I don't know I know he's too fat to be an astronaut as Prince Philip might have said but uh, the but uh, I, I'm, I'm bowled over by that I didn't know, I, I'm I'm surprised that didn't sort of enter my it's kind of right Me in my too. area that it's been a busy Akma Umar Akmal a few weeks I've <laughs> got to say all right well Umar umar Akma got his old boy out and now he's getting done for match fixing so you know another week another story
1: another week in the life so yeah he's suspended um, there with strong suggestions that on his phone there which has been seized there there have been found uh, messages which may indicate a willingness to alter events in the first game I wonder whether the phone also
0: shows a willingness to, to get the to get it out at different <laughs> intervals as well I might find no. more than they bargained for on that how on many that other device?
1: protests have involved <laughs> the, the fresh air downstairs <laughs> um, that's yeah, what I going
0: he goes to to a climate, change, he goes to a climate change protest and just, just, just unfurls it. He's,
1: rather, than, that's his. Rather, he's carrying a, a banner that is just a large, close-up HD photo of. <laughs> Of the Akmal jewels, well, look, who knows? It's been an eventful story for the Akmals, um, the, the the whole family. I think the third brother, you know, because obviously Cameron and Umar have taken all the headlines. Maybe the third brother's a sweet, innocent boy, and and he's been unfairly maligned because we haven't heard a peep from him. But you know, yeah, look, that's what's going you. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, so that, that was not a not a great surprise. And, and the other interesting thing is that I've being at the match today. I've been given my free World Cup backpack. Now this is a weird thing Aww. that happens at every ICC tournament where they yes. they give the journalists a bag full of goodies, and it's always a backpack. And God knows why, but like I don't know how many backpacks I've dropped off at at, at Vinnie's or whatever that have come from the ICC. And I always feel weird about it. Like, is this a bribe? Does this mean that that you know, am I being bought off? Like, if you were really into backpacks, maybe it would affect your. Like, I'm not that keen on backpacks, so it, I don't feel like it's 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 tugging on my loyalty but it also feels a bit weird to be taking gifts from the governing body
0: yeah well the the the, ba- the bag that you carry around and have done so for over a decade i mean for it to, uh, to for it to knock that off it would have to be quite the bit of kit I mean last year when we got given the World Cup bags they were really good so much so that mm. I still use it every day uh, indeed you, you always see other colleagues from the press box because it was excellent whereas the one we got given at the 2018 version of this tournament in the West Indies was was a piece of trash that lasted about four days so mm. they're, they're, what's your I'm feeling a bit Bit of FOMO for the first time in this tournament. Not being there,
1: you can have it if you want. <laughs> I hate backpacks. I just hate them. I can't. I can't
0: come at them. They're just no good. They always give you a. They, they tend to give you a coffee cup as well, which is something that, that gathers dust. Is there a coffee cup in there?
1: Well, I, I, I can't. I can't comment on what's in there, Adam, because what I'm going to do is when I shoot my little update video today for the patron page, I'm going to unpack and go through the contents of the oh. World Cup backpack for our discerning audience. So you'll have to check that out on the page. So Adam and I have at least one, or if not both, of us, has been filming a video update every day of this tournament and putting them on the patron page as a, as a closed-off thing, as a patron-only thing. So if you want to sign up there, you can find out what's in the bag. Uh, it's, it's zipped shut for now. I cannot un- undo that zip.
0: The, uh, the, well, the patron updates, uh, I, I, I owe you one uh, tonight. I'll do one um, about the, the Pakistani victory uh, in a bit more depth and their story, which is a great one. Uh, I'll just add before we go on and talk more about the tournament that uh, Daniel Norcross's World War II update will be back next week. I reckon we're just mm. about at D-Day, so it could be quite the update uh, in seven days from now or, in, or, in, um, or however many weeks it equates to in, in dance mm. Parallel. World War Two universe. So let's go back to Pakistan just as we quickly race through a few of the issues of the week in the tournament, uh, Jeff. I always sort of come back to this, but it's easy to forget that in 1998 when they came to Australia for the Women's World Cup, uh, it was under... Threat of death. There were death threats as they were leaving the country. They had to sneak out of the country. Uh, they, um, they, you know, there were editorials uh, when they went to India in 1997 for the World Cup there, which was their first global tournament, um, calling for some of them to be executed. I mean, this is a you get a handle when you think about the history there of just what a massive journey it's been in a short space of time and mm. I mean when you see uh, the way they were led tonight by Bismar Marouf who's so cool at the moment, so calm we criticise them for not taking San Amir on this trip but um, maybe they didn't need her when you see the way that they were led this evening having that younger um, youthful presence uh, at the top of the team, top of the team sheet uh, maybe that's serving them well. Javeria Khan another player who's been around for a long time but was mm. a spinner to begin with, a finger spinner and now has recreated their um, Career as a as an opening bat, Um, you know, um, Nita Dar was in there at the end as well. Another player that's been knocking around for a really long time. So uh, it just feels like that this was in keeping with the week we've had Jeff a lot of close contests a lot of games that could have gone either way uh, and it's really hard to get a read on uh, where this is going in terms of who's going to make it out of of the groups into the semi-finals and who'll make the final and that's a great place to be because often in these women's tournaments within a few days we have a pretty good feel for who's going to make it through but this is great we've set it up beautifully
1: yeah, I mean, you, you kind of know before the tournament starts who your semi-finalists are going to be most of the time and mm-hmm. things unfold in that way. But, you know, as, as we hinted at earlier, the thing that was really impressive tonight was the uh, f- the composure of it. The, I'm so used to seeing with Pakistan batting, sometimes the start might be decent in that, you know, the best players are at the top and they uh, you might get to 30 for one or something pretty quickly. But then as soon as a wicket falls you know a a wicket or two then it all falls away and panic sets in they get well behind the run rate and they can't keep up with it here the opening partnership pushed on they got well ahead of the run rate early and and never fell behind the required rate, um, you know, what the required rate had been at the start of the innings. So that took the pressure off players coming in next. And when wickets did fall, it wasn't in a cluster. So it, it, there was calm, there was composure, the timing of the shots, that uppercuts over slip, the the drives away through the covers, um, everything was crisp. And, you know, the way that chase, uh, the, the, the Pakistan of old would easily have muffed a, a chase of six and over. That would have been beyond them uh, against a side like West Indies. In this case, they did it almost without breaking a sweat.
0: Six and over is enough to beat Pakistan nine times out of ten. Remember that this is an observation that Mark Robinson used to make when he was coaching the England side that... A runner ball is quite a lot chasing in women's cricket, historically. I mean, you can see scores that are well excess excessive, a runner ball, but often that's the team batting first. You don't yep. usually see teams haul down massive totals the way you do in men's cricket. Uh, and that'll change over time, I'm sure, but that's just a feature of the, the data as we know it, the data set that, that we've had coming into this tournament. So I must admit, at the halfway mark, despite how impressive Pakistan were in the field and with the ball, I was kind of thinking that, you know, a more experienced opponent in the West Indies who have uh, played more big-time cricket, Of course, they won this competition back in 2016. Um, Probably at least half the side that are playing, who were playing today, played in that final against Australia when they held their nerve really well Mm. in Calcutta. So my logic was that players like Stefani Taylor, DeAndre Dotton and and co. uh, would be able to just find a way through. And and it was the complete opposite. So much so that when Bismarck came in and went at the loss of the second wicket, or sorry, no, she came in one down in the eighth over. Tons Mm. of work to do. Probably needed... Even you the know, second Just wicket. on six and over. Even the yeah, second, yeah, even the second it's, wicket. It's, it's
1: 77. They still needed 50 at that point,
0: and, and yeah, they were two that, down. That, and right. at that
1: point, Pakistan of old would easily lose a match from
0: there. But this is the difference, right? So this is where I was really impressed by Bismar. So Javeria was player of the match, but Bismar um, she lifted the run rate at that point. She didn't want to leave it until the last over. She didn't want to leave it to anyone coming in after her. She took responsibility mm. for the chase. That That's, that's good game awareness. It's uh, knowing her side, knowing the history and all that goes hand in hand with that um, and being able to um, take control. Uh, so you mentioned off the top it was clinical and on paper that's exactly what it looks like and It's great for the tournament because the West Indies who didn't do well enough against Thailand to get themselves a net run rate boost uh, so they'll need to beat England and South Africa to progress. England dropped their first game to South Africa so they need to beat Pakistan Uh, and then you've got South Africa who who obviously will have to play Pakistan and the West Indies who have had in the past a good record against them. So Hmm. really we still have a situation where four teams could make it through from that pool. The only team that can't qualify is Thailand and yes in all probability England and South Africa will will make it and the Windies won't do well enough to recover from here and Pakistan will fall short against one of South Africa or England but the fact that we're nearly a week into the tournament and we can say that four teams could find a way through to the final couple out of that group is a really Hmm. good sign
1: A big week or so and, and all in Group B for running out the non-striker or failing to do so. Ayabonga oh. Kaka for South Africa, Catherine Brunt for England and today as well Hayley Matthews against Pakistan had had a, a case where the non-striker was about a meter and a half out of the ground.
0: Oh really? Well, n- n- none I missed of, yeah,
1: that. Missed that. Well, that was happening. Um, she there was a delivery what? where she where she stopped and and I don't think she sort of formally gave a warning but she stopped and kind of made it known that she noticed. This, in all three cases, didn't affect the run out because you know players are intimidated by the blowback that they'll get, or or they adhere to the sort of self righteous stuff that um that people ca- came out with. You know when when Catherine Brunt was discussing dis- uh, discussing it and Heather Knight said, "Oh, it's, it doesn't involve any skill, and therefore we we wouldn't want to do it." So it, it's it's been a, a sorry week for um, holding players to account Ooh.
0: at the non strikers end. I thought we turned a corner over the last twelve months on this. In the the discourse around it was far more mature I think the Ashwin uh, episode last year it, it was such a big story and because there's no international cricket going on during the IPL it was the only story in world cricket for a good few days there perhaps if you didn't think about it before you were forced to consider it for the first time different opinions and whatever else and during the under-19s world cup the episode a couple of weeks ago we, we talked about that interaction between was it pakistan and Af- yeah, afghanistan possibly. afghanistan sorry afghanistan and pakistan sorry and and it was more mature the way people were c- talking about it but i don't know whether that extends to the playing group so outs off the pitch and former players and commentators and pundits and, and so on I think have broadly arrived at a, almost a consensus opinion which is that we don't want to see it but, um, but it's in the laws and it's in the playing conditions for a reason and, and we sort of proceed accordingly. There's some outliers but I think that's nearly the consensus position but the players are at the other end of the spectrum. You mm. mentioned Heather Knight's commentary. It's not as though Heather um, wouldn't have thought about this and Heather's, Heather's a very intelligent person but she's hard and fast and Catherine Brunt was relatively hard and fast when, when she was asked about it as well, likewise Marazan Cap, when reflecting on Ayabonga Kaka who who didn't run Catherine Brunt out earlier in that game. It's as though the players are now saying, no, 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 we won't do it. And I don't know where that leaves things. Um, that's, it's, it's confusing, that development, because mm. had Brunt ran out, soon I loose, and people got stuck into me. I did a Patreon update about it, and... A couple of people on Twitter um, took issue with my observation, saying that, well, it didn't matter because Mignon Duprea hit a six the next ball and a four the one after that, and they would have won the game even if Brunt ran out the non striker. But as Jeff, you pointed out after the Leeds uh, Ben Stokes miracle, mm. when one event changes, the whole atmospherics change. You Everything after that changes. Exactly. You can't just assume that the same would have been bowled to to Deprea had the run out been affected, and, and the mm. ball after that, and so on. It's too reductive. So, um, it, yeah, it was a shame that it that it that played, played out that way. But as a lot of people also said at the time, we've been trending towards something like this. Um, we've been trending towards this happening on a on a bigger stage in a major tournament. And yeah, who knows? Maybe between now and the end of the competition, someone will have a crack at it because we are seeing batters still routinely uh, mm. leaving their ground well before they should. Well, you'll be
1: pleased to know that in the chat with Tyler and I strongly advocated to those players that they should um, they should consider it, you know, and they should, they,
0: should, they,
1: they, <laughs> they weren't entirely unreceptive, I'll put it that way. Um, but, but, but listen on to hear that. So uh, Sri Lanka have been good. They, they pushed Australia very close the other day. Australia and England have both been ropey and so that makes things interesting. You know, Australia losing to India and then really struggling to get past Sri Lanka, managed to win the run chase in the last over, but only with the help of a, a number of drop catches and um, lives for Rachel Haynes and Meg Lanning, and you know New Zealand will have a, a blockbuster against India, and, and another against Australia. So there've been lots of tight games, and, and a huge amount of interest in what's to come. Those groups are looking great.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for the competition, a great result that Australia lost the opener. Um, it, means, it means that Australia need to win every subsequent game to make it to the second round in Group A and then the final at the MCG. And, you know, I wonder to what extent that that, uh, that sort of world record attempt, I'm, I'm sure they won't publicly say that it's playing on their minds, but, I mean, has a side ever gone into a tournament assumed to make a final more than this Australian women's side with this tournament? We, we never even considered another possibility so dominant mm. They've been over the last little period since they won the competition in, in 2018 and the added baggage of of that and, and the fact that they were bowled out by Poonam Yadav who, I mean, I love there's still a, a place in the game for someone that bowls at what is it, 38 mile an hour in the old money or whatever it is mm. and gets the ball above the eye line but but spins it so far and uh, is so accurate that she still is a menace. And, you know, coming from that, I think she's four foot eleven, isn't she? So that trajectory, which <laughs> adds to the degree of difficulty, you're just not used to it. So, or nor, nor would anyone be. So you see, I guess, like more conventional spinners, think of Sophie Eccleston, who's clearly the best spinner in the world right now, who would fit in in a men's international, given that she bowls at a similar pace, um, similar revs, and, and all the rest of it. I guess that you wouldn't, she wouldn't be out of place if she was playing in a men's game. Whereas you, you would never say, a bowler like Punam Yadav playing in a men's international with mm. the pace that she, she sent it down at. So, But yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that um, that she was the, the, the match winner and uh, as I say it means that when Australia were reduced to 10 for 3 or 3 for 10 in pursuit of 130 odd against Sri Lanka and they were lucky not to be chasing more I mean, Chamari Adepadu was, was out for 50 but I mean if she doesn't get out at that exact moment it's probably more like 140, 150 160 and mm. then they would have had a real test on their hands so um, um, yeah, Australia need to find another gear soon. Yep, they um, they, they do not look quite
1: themselves. Uh, I think the last bowler like that in men's cricket was maybe Majid Hark for Scotland, the off spinner who used to really oh, yeah. loop loop them up there. But that was in the 2015 World Cup when when he was getting around for Scotland. Um, is it time for nerd pledge? I reckon it might be. Nerd Pledge. The game with nerds. The game with pledges. The game where people get on our patron page in order to uh, try to help us keep the lights on at Final Word HQ and instead of subscribing with a normal amount of dollars and cents like a round number they instead send us a number that relates to cricket. But we have to work out how and why. The first Nerd Pledge that we've got coming through today is from Jackson Stewart. And Jackson Stewart has sent in three dollars and six cents, three oh six.
0: Well, okay.
1: When we're getting numbers in the sort of low three hundreds, I often think Australian cap numbers because that's when there's a generation of players who who were meaningful to a lot of people who are sort of fall in the demographic of our audience in terms of age range and so on. But I'm not sure if Jackson Stewart is a big Bruce Laird freak. Maybe, maybe he is, um, but it it doesn't
0: necessarily sing to me off the page. Jackson Stewart. I'm just trying to pick up some clues from the name. You you mean business if your name's Jackson Stewart. Hmm. You're not fucking around if your name's Jackson Stewart. It's it's a tough (laughs) name. Um, So with a tough name, um, maybe he's drawn to the characteristics of Alan Border, whose batting average in limited overs cricket was (laughs) 30.6. (laughs) <laughs> it may well have been. It's a, that may well have it's been a stretch. It. It's That's a stretch, but it's but it's something we can go with. Three hundred six <laughs> is a funny old number. I, I had a quick poke around before, and there's there's not an awful lot really there I mean India made 306 chasing 337 uh, when England defeated them in that World Cup group game which was crucial um, in the context of that tournament had England not won that day they probably would have been bundled out before the semi-finals and Mm -hmm. um, we were obviously both there covering that game Jeff. so it could be a a diehard England fan that just loved to see England get one up on India but I doubt it
1: there's never been a batting score of 306 no one's ever made 306 um, in, in the triple hundreds club so So... Look I, I quite liked the allen Border one day average. Um, I know it 's niche, <laughs> but that was that was a number that, that I tracked down and and also equally amusingly it 's the same exactly the same to two decimal points batting average of in one day cricket of Ravi Bopara three zero th- oh. point six two They made twelve and a half thousand one day runs between them and and, and you might not think that they 're on the same level, but Ravi Bopara made three and a half thousand one day runs. He played one hundred and twenty odd games, so he's you know no slouch. Um, um, so maybe it's a maybe it's a Ravi Bop slash AB um, fan club meeting who knows
0: well the recall Ravi movement it remains strong on social media uh, mm-hmm. the uh, well we can call him now the former Essex champion he's, he's moved clubs between seasons but he'll be playing at the yep. Birmingham Phoenix I think it is in the 100 I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he's uh, he was one of their mark. I can't remember what they called him or marquee players or or something like that but he's mm-hmm. a bit younger than you think Ravi as well I think he's 34, 33 maybe even yeah. um, so he's still got a long a long career left on, on the circuit but uh, yes uh, if you uh, scroll Vedush and Hattaraj's feed on any given day really you'll see references to yep. recalling Ravi to the England side and uh, look it probably won't happen but I'm glad we can mention him briefly on the final word
1: The the footage of Ravi Papara blowing a kiss to the camera which Vish has overlaid with the saxophone solo from Careless Whisper is one of the all time great pieces <laughs> of online content. If you went to the hill of content that is what you would find. Um, <laughs> did you see
0: that you were, did? You see that our, our, our patron Matt Clemo uh, went to the hill of the, the hill of content uh, yesterday and sent you a yes. photo from there.
1: I, I appreciated that. I, I love when when people listen to the details. I had a, a lovely tweet during the week from somebody quoting the Shane Watson Hey Watson video from the twenty thirteen Ashes. You know a, a specific line of it in conversation with someone else that blew me away. Somebody actually remembered what I said in two thousand. What was the line? Do you recall? Uh, it, it was. Um, the, uh, that when you're challenging a DRS line, it's good to be right and that you can remember this with the acronym IGTBR or the helpful <laughs> mnemonic I Grow Tomatoes Bro Respect um, which which I'd completely forgotten I ever said but um, but my correspondent had not so so cheers there. So Jackson uh, we're going to go with Ellen Borders' one day batting average but you can let us know if that's wrong. Our next nerd pledge comes from Gopal B and uh, now it's a number that we had last week in 233 so I was wondering if Gopal was listening last week and thinking, ah, curses, 233, Raul Dravid at Adelaide um, in in the famous match where Ponting made the double and Dravid made the double and India won. But then I thought, maybe it's not Raul Dravid. Maybe it could be Karl Hooper against India in Georgetown, Guyana in 2002, I reckon, sort of early in, Chris Gale was, was playing, you forget that he was playing Test cricket so early but he was in that match uh, but Carl Hooper made 233 batting in partnership with Shivnaran Chanderpaul, who made 140 the Windies made a Levi's 501 and it was a lovely thing because they were two hometown Guiana boys who both made what were their top scores at the time in Test cricket and then there's still a Dravid link because Dravid made 144 not out in India's reply and then it was a draw as it got rained off
0: so that's my that's, that's my. what do you reckon Adam yeah yeah, it's lovely you research. Take it? it must be at the very end. Of, oh well, I, I more than take it. I endorse it. But the um, the it always reminds me that Carl Hooper is the answer to a, a piece of now outdated uh, trivia because you you ask the question who who is the the only cricketer who uh, took a hundred catches in both formats of the game when when there wasn't a third format uh, who made. Uh, a century in both, took 100 wickets in both and... A, a double century, I reckon. A, played 100 games of both. No, a, it was a, played 100 games in both. He, he made, never made a, a, a one-day double hundred, but, um, but Carl Hooper No, but, was, but, was but, but he made game. a test double, I think that was... Wasn't that the distinguishing feature
1: that meant that it, it wasn't was the, also it, it, well, Jack
0: Cullis? Yeah, well, no, he, like, boom, 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 I'm not sure whether that's why it wasn't Jack... This kind of fits in before Jack Cullis broke all the records, if you know what I mean. This was a hmm. this was a pre-Jack Callis... But it
1: remained true true until the very end of Jacques Ellis' career because he only made a double right at the end.
0: Oh, right, I see, I see. Well, this might be the game that allowed us to say that about Carl Hooper. Hmm. Better still.
1: There you go. Very much in final words. That that was an Adam White um, trivia question, wasn't it?
0: I don't remember. I, know, I actually know who it was. Chris Barrett. Chris Barrett from mm. the City uh, Morning Herald uh, first, uh, first laid that on me one day uh, many years ago. So, but quite possibly Whitey as well. Um, mm. So um, uh, I know Whitey's probably listening. Uh, g'day to you and uh, thank you to Gopal B for your nerd pledge. Yes, and uh, thank you to everybody who's been
1: sending them through. We've got a a good stack now, so they're dating back a while. So the, the first one we read today came from January the 3rd, I think. So if you have sent one that we haven't got to, we will get to it pretty soon. But if you were after January 3rd, that's why you haven't heard it yet. We're working our way through the list. The last Nerd Pledge number for today comes from our good friend who really doesn't need to be supporting our show because he already supports our show in many ways. But that's what he does because he's a a lovely chap. So he's come in with 108. What
0: does 108 mean to you, Adam? Well, before turning to the number, I'd note that Facebook just told me a little while ago uh, that we're celebrating our 13-year friendiversary on that platform mm. today, Dono and I. Wow. They proceeded to ask me a quiz which I got one out of five questions correct. So um, <laughs> that that not reflect the friendship between Dono and I. Uh, 20% uh, I remember... correct. I think that does sum up the friendship is
1: that it's been 20% oh, no, it's... right and 80% wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, during the week, I don't know how this came up in conversation, but during the week th- there was some back and forth with a friend of mine about when Dono was the ACT air guitar champion in 2008 and 2009 mm. which led towards a, a Today Show appearance where quite savagely, Carl Stefanovic turned the microphones down when Dono was on air so he'd be doing the whole interview mute because it was air guitar of course That so was quite a quite a quite an enjoyable uh, part of that uh, journey which culminated in dono being on page three of the city morning herald there was a feature written about him by yuko narishima uh, detailing why he had a a duck stuffed down the front of the um, the skinny what would you call them um, leggings that he was wearing um when running around stage like a maniac but it was it was a good time and i'm, I'm glad dono was formally joined the show by nerd mm. pledge having been with us since the start really well, I, I had to do a fair bit of
1: detective work on Dono's pledge because I knew that it would be something that wasn't obvious. I was thinking, you know, 108's what Simon Caddich made when Phil Hughes was making the first of his twin tons in Durban. Uh, 108 was what Selman Butt made in Sydney on the tour before he probably started his match fixing career in 2010 or whatever it was when uh when pakistan somehow lost that yeah. scg test uh, so I was like you know maybe there's a connection there and then i realized that dono was at our show in manchester our live show where we went back mm. through the history of the ashes at manchester and Adam, you may remember this. In in 1896, there was a great Australian team that travelled there. They had yep. Harry Trott, Hugh Trumbull, George Giffen, Joe Darling, and, and they levelled the Ashes 1 all after two tests. Australia made 412, bowled out England for 231. Mm. And this was one of the great tests because then following on, Ranjit Sinji made t- 154 not out. His England made 305. They get 125 in front, and then they nearly bowl Australia out. They nearly win after following on. But Australia chase it with three wickets to spare, so there was Tom Richardson the, the famous fast bowler who took six, uh, but the the difference in the match, in the first innings Frank Iredale, the uh, the staunch opening bat, made 108 for Australia, and that's what oh I'm going Jeff. with, that's my tip for, for Dono it's Frank Iredale.
0: That is so good for, on a number of levels, <laughs> but yes the, the a great throwback and I'm sure that will be it from Dono, when, when you asked me what could it be, 108 Dono, I said well, it's going to be something weird because um, it's him uh, yep. and this ticks that box it is weird it, it, it links lo- a lovely link back to the, the live show in Manchester and a, and a famous Australian victory so um, beautifully done and as I say um, Ranji's 154 night out was his first century I think I'm right in saying in, in test cricket as well so
2: mm.
0: plenty in that test and uh, and thanks to, to Dono and thanks to Gopal and thanks to Jackson Stewart for being part of Nerd
1: Pledge. Nerd Pledge. It's the game you can play. If you want to send us one, go to patron.com that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the final word and you'll find us there. You can sign up per episode, per month, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever amount uh, you, you want to send. That can help us keep the show going. We really appreciate it. We've had a, a good uptick in, in supporters the last couple of weeks and we're also doing this uh, Um, this exclusive stuff now on the page this video content and there'll there'll be other things going up on there as well just for subscribers on the page so thank you to everyone who is supporting us and if you want to get involved go and uh, check out that website.
0: And you don't have to do a nerd pledge if you feel daunted by the idea of thinking of of a cricketing number although I suspect that if you're listening to our show you're not daunted by cricket. Not daunted at all. And numbers yes Uh, but but you can choose to to send a a different kind of pledge a a round number and Emma Colville, uh, Tim mm Uh, without last name. Uh, David Varley and Josh Peeney have all done so during the week. So um, they once performed in in a super group, the four of them, and now they're um, four of our um, super subscribers via the Patreon page and of course you can be part of that too at patreon.com forward slash the final word. Thanks to everyone who's got on board over the last couple of weeks uh, since we um, explained that we'd be doing daily updates during the Women's World Cup and they're going really nicely. So jump on board now and you get to see Jeff from the grounds and me from the sofa with Winnie.
1: Yeah, Emma Colville, Tim, David Valley, and Josh Pinney were, you know, their music taught me that it was okay to be weird. You know, in in the the the, the from from the suburban Australia of of the the mid nineties, it was their alternative pop punk that just uh, just showed me that you could mash genres. You know, they were they were one of the early punk bands to bring a turntable into the mix. You know, they there was. Uh, Sort of flavors of hip hop and some of the cross. So before Sublime did it, you know, they, <laughs> th- th- this is what these guys were doing. They never had a name. The band never had a name. You just knew who they were. Um, the David Valley's actually. A, I, I assume it's the David Valley who I know, who's an old friend of mine. I haven't seen for a long time, but who, who's probably um, probably still hopeful of representing Hong Kong at cricket. I think he's been been uh, pushing that case for a long time. He might be he might be nearing forty by now, but I'm sure he's keen.
0: And with that link from, from Hong Kong Cricket, let, let's move to, to Thailand Cricket. Let's take a break on the final word. And when we come back, it'll be Jeff with the Thailand Women's Cricket Team. This is Felix White, and you are listening to the final word pod with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon.
1: Before we get on with our interview of the day, there is one new segment that we have to do. Uh, you know if you've been listening to the show that we're friends with Seabus Super and so the new segment that we've come up with is the Seabus Super Performer where we choose our person of the week. It's basically Hall of Fame but uh, for what has happened in the interim since our last episode. Who, who has impressed us in some way in the cricket world around this week? And I think Adam and I, we discussed this before the show and, and we both agreed that Udeshka Prabhadani, the left arm swing bowler for Sri Lanka, The way she knocked over Elisa Healy and then Ashley Gardner, the two of the most dangerous strikers in the Australian team, and really put the shivers through Australia with balls that absolutely hooped. Now, you you were messaging me during this match going, um, Prabhadani thinks she's Mitch Stark now. It it was incredible stuff.
0: Yeah, that's right. That that first delivery, the second ball of uh, Sri Lanka's defence that she bowled to Healy was an absolute jaffa, the stuff that left arm over the wicket swing bowlers dream of clipping middle stump and then doing virtually the same thing to Ash Gardner a couple of overs later albeit with not a lot of footwork from Gardner but all the same it was a, a fantastic start to their defence and they didn't get over the line but it was a, a real standout moment and Jeff it was in the same week that you mentioned Mitchell Stark the same week that Mitchell Stark the the, the, the big uh, tall Australian left arm quick uh, did something similar to Quinton de Cock at the start of the uh, T20 International uh, to begin that, that series as well, a, a, a piece of bowling that went around the world and went viral because it was just so magnificent and, um, had m- middle stump cartwheeling.
1: Yeah, I think that ball from Stark was actually on track to hit leg stump and then swung back so viciously that it hit middle. So uh, I think in a week where both of those things happen, we can say that uh, Udeshka Prabhadani and Mitch Stark are the king and queen of left arm swing this week. I particularly liked that Prabhadani isn't someone who Australia would have been worried about. She's rarely been effective against Australia. Averaged 145 against them in one-day cricket and 106 in T20 internationals before that match. Got that T20 average down to four in the space of that one game. So just a, a wonderful start from her. And so so they're our Seabus Super performers of the week. Um, and, and that's because we uh, have a relationship with Seabus Super. The good thing about Cbus Super is that um, they handle investments, they handle products and services that are tailored to meet the needs of people in the building and construction industries, but they can also take care of people in other industries as well. Uh, but one of the things that's important in building and construction is having the proper insurance. and and they can offer fit-for-purpose insurance for people in those industries as well. So they're a good bunch if you want to get your superannuation or your insurance sorted out. You can find them at uh, cbussuper.com.au. You can get a PDS to find out if that's right for you. And you can also remember that past performance does not indicate future performance as Udeshka Prabhadani showed us during the week.
0: now back to the show with Jeff and the Thailand cricket team.
1: This is the final word coming to you from Canberra and the only thing we can say is Sawadee Ka.
0: <laughs> Sawadee Ka.
1: We're here with uh, several members of the Thai national team uh, and the coach and the, uh, the, the general fix-it man so for, why don't we go around and give introductions, everybody can introduce yourself and, and let us know what your job is with the team.
3: Okay, team. Team 2, now,
4: <laughs> so my name is Sonarin I've been the, I've been the captain of the Thailand team since two thousand seven and now it's thirteen years past, and I'm still the captain
1: But you're not exactly the captain No himself. I'm not so the, so I, the same I am
4: time. Shan Khada, so I am the manager of the Thailand Women's Team.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go around
4: the couch.
5: My name is Narumon Jaiwai. I am a
4: My name is I am a batter. And
6: Natakarn. My <coughs> name Thailand must it be Tilum
4: My name is Jeans Natakan Chantam. I started playing, I've been playing cricket for Thailand for 11 years. When I first started playing cricket, I was an opening bowler. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't bowl anymore, so I'm I'm an opening opening batter for Thailand. It's
1: much easier that way, right? (laughs) Like, less work, not so (laughs) hard. And uh, we have the coach with us as well. Yeah,
7: I'm Harshal Patak. I'm the head coach of the Thailand team. And uh, I'm delighted to be with this bunch from the past November 2018.
1: Excellent. Well, let's get the mic back to Sonarine. We're, we're passing around a little bit, but I'd like to hear from all three of you. Uh, I guess first, welcome to Australia.
5: It's Thank nice, you. nice
1: to have you here, <laughs> okay. but not your first time. You've, you've no. been here before. Yes. So, so tell us a bit about uh, coming here before and also about this trip and how it's been.
3: Um, so
4: this is not the first time I've been in Australia So I've been to Australia on four occasions So the first time was with Sulipan Laomi, our um, leg spinner So she, she was selected for the rookie placement program With uh, Sydney Thunder yep. So she came as a, as a nanny
2: Right.
1: As her nanny. <laughs>
3: oh. and, and translator. So, yeah. <laughs> as, as the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. <Mister> Sheffield. <laughs> um. Okay. And the second time, I'm going to I C C to say song. Striker Adelaide. The second time I came for myself,
4: so I was selected for
3: uh, the placement
4: program as well.
3: Uh, so I was with the Adelaide Strikers.
1: Lots of experience, a lot of things to take back. Improved my game a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And and you spent a lot of time with Charlotte Edwards right, at the Strikers and, and became friends with her. Um, Charlotte
4: Edwards, Sophie Devine, um, Susie Bates. Make and shoot, you know. These are people that I I watch on TV, and then
3: I'm, I'm
4: right in front <laughs> in the so of them, and next to them, in the same team with them. So you know, it's a really exciting experience for me.
1: So uh, I'd like to hear from Naramol and Narakan as well. Uh, now you're here for a World Cup. You, you got to play against the West Indies the other day. Finally, get started, you know, um, because there's so much waiting, but then you actually get to play your first match. So. Uh, Tell me about the feeling of playing that, that first time and, and how exciting that
5: was. Really excited uh, to get on with the World Cup. It wasn't, it
4: wasn't like a, a nervous kind of excitement. It was raring to go kind of excitement, and get on the field. You know, because
5: it's, it's what we've, we've worked for for so long.
4: And you know, it's, it's, that, it's that reality that we're, we're waiting to happen.
5: So you know, wanted to get, to get on that ground, like, you know, playing on on good decks, be, decks like, and like, you know, dive around
4: like. on really lush green grounds. Yeah, yeah, so makes a difference. Uh, right? Makes
1: a difference. Yeah, <laughs> 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 and and kind of, you know, playing at the Wacker. What was the experience like?
6: Um, Hong excited as,
4: as well. You know, excited to get on with the game as well. Playing Westini's first first team up was
6: uh, because
4: West is such an aggressive team batting wise. You know, she wanted to see how how they would play against us, and also also for her as a bats, bats batsman to get on the wicket and you know show uh, show her skills. Yeah. Okay,
1: I'd like to hear from all three of you simple question why cricket cricket is a weird sport <laughs> you know, it takes so long <laughs> it's tiring all your muscles hurt why why choose cricket what what made you like what made you love cricket
3: she likes, to, she likes to be challenged yeah. So cricket is a new sport and 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 very, new, very
4: new, very alien to Thailand, Thailand. So by taking that, that opportunity She could
3: uh, um,
4: probably tap in to the Thai people Or, or like show the Thai people There's a new sport on her schedule Everybody,
3: everybody can, uh, can
4: try it out But then also cricket has
3: lot, lots, of, lots of things To to find out (laughs) about,
4: which were interesting. That's why she was drawn to the sport. Mm. Like different challenges. Yeah, different challenges.
5: Normal.
4: She's very competitive by nature, she likes to win, she wants to win, so yeah, and also she likes being a tourist, so you know, she gets the both best of both worlds, so you know, compete one day, go outside seeing one day, so you know, she's got it all set, but um, she can't really pinpoint when she fell in love with cricket, but, but she knew, like, deep down that
5: It is the sport for her,
6: right? So
4: she started playing when she was nine. Yeah, so it's like Plastic ball, cricket, and she just liked to interact and play team sports. And every time you get a wicket, you know you're always celebrating. So she loved that part of, of the game. So like every time you got to get a wicket, you know, you so just celebrations. for the celebrations. <laughs> yeah, just for the celebrations. Don't like batting.
1: So. Don't like bowling. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wave your arms in the air. Beautiful. <laughs> so you've said that you want to play with a Thai style what is a Thai style? How can you bring a Thai style to cricket?
3: Uh, thai style is so... like I think it's a balance of humility and being humble
4: off and on the field, And as as well as showing people that are watching us that that when we're on the field that we we mean to play aggressive cricket, and we know how to play cricket, so it's it's that balance that that we want to show that we're very happy,
3: happy, cheerful people.
1: you know, we, we mean business once we're on that, on, that, on that field. <coughs> right. yeah. And and humility, part of that is the why, which yeah. is yes. important part of Thai culture, the, the bow when you greet somebody and you've made a point of doing that as a team at all of your games.
5: I think we have key factor in our team is, is about, 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 about family, how
4: mm-hmm. we keep the balance and... Um, also, cheer each other on if even d- if you're, you're having a bad day on th- the field, th- 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 you're not th- yeah, you're just having a, a, th-
5: a really horrible we day. We do not leave th- any man, th- any woman behind, th- so th- you know, we're always bringing th- them into the game, right. cheering them up. Th-
1: you know. So it's a matter of walking the same path. Natakan, I'll ask you, when you're traveling, you're all together, but also in Bangkok, you're all living together in one house. Uh, the <laughs> how do you survive <laughs> living with all of your teammates for all of this
6: time <laughs> i mean since
4: we know each other very well, they know each other very very well it 's not a struggle or um, there 's no extra effort that 's made into a um, living together so because they're very comfortable in, in each other's company you know and they do every, everything together so there are things that you know there might be courtesy issues that you everybody could do better in the house but yeah but that's that's all a part of living together so it's yeah there's no there's
1: no struggles no cat fights if you're playing since you were nine years old did you your family play cricket well, how did, you, how did you play cricket um, so
6: young? <laughs> her
1: family just... Her mom and dad just comes to pick her up
6: mm-hmm. after the game is over or she, it's either she
4: tells
1: them, tells them the results. Mm-hmm. We won or we lost and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no details. Okay, so for you two, how did your families respond when you said, I want to be a professional cricket player? Like in Thailand. <laughs>
3: <laughs> They don't really understand whatever makes <laughs> her happy, they're
4: they're happy for, but just to enforce, being mom or dad, so she's <laughs> always <laughs> telling them that I've got money, don't worry about me, you know, my bank account is okay, it's not in red yet, so you can rest easy, so yeah. How about you? How did your family respond?
5: so similar to
4: to noise family like yeah. they, they they don't really understand the sport anyways but you know they're very supportive of what whatever she wants to do and um, so okay so t-
5: she her mom will always ask her th- that th- at the th- end th- of the game, th- did you win or did you
4: lose? And if you lost, like the West did you when you lost? Did you cry?
1: So, but if they don't understand, maybe that's good because then, like, if you make three runs, yeah. you say, oh, that's very good. I made three, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then they say, oh, congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shan, I wanted to ask you about uh, your role with this team because you've been there basically from the start, um, back from 2008 uh, when... So Thailand was a, an affiliate up until 2005 and then became an associate and then played in the Asian tournament in 2008, finished last, yeah. and, and that was the... 2007, <laughs> sorry. And that was kind of the, the start of this journey now. Why were you there and, and why did you want to be involved with, um, with what has become such a long such a big part of your life
4: yeah it's a long story actually yeah so I usually did like the grassroots programs and uh, ethnic um, ethnic development was with the boys at first so the association approached me and said okay we need a women's cricket team like yeah I was like hmm Okay. <laughs> but, like, how are we going to do how this? How are we yeah. going to do this? So, yeah. So, we had um, transition sports. So, mm-hmm. girls from mostly from softball, basketball, and various backgrounds. And we formed a team. Uh, we trained for two months, went to Malaysia. We lost everything. But when we came back, we also sat down and talked, like, you know, do you really want to do this? You wanna... Because what I saw was there, there was a lot of potential in the girls. They had re- really good coordination. Um, Movements and everything that that was needed for cricket, so they were still on. So yeah, so we we kept on practicing. We kept on practicing every day, every week, and tournament in two thousand nine. The same tournament, we went. uh, We lost to Hong Kong, heavy expat side, Hong Kong, um, by by a few runs. So in in the finals. So that was probably the starting point and the the catalyst that sprouted Thailand cricket. So from then on, we didn't really look back.
1: And and that sort of showed that there was enough possibility there. Yeah, there was enough there. possibility, so... But it's, it seems to have been so well managed with uh, a number of strategic decisions that have really worked where you've uh, prioritised women's cricket, the women's cricketers are contracted, the the men's program isn't um, going for a a top-down system rather than trying to build grassroots. It it was about getting players in from other sports who had potential and then developing them uh, and also getting the cricket ground in Bangkok, which must have been probably the biggest part of the whole puzzle.
4: At first we started, we started with transition sports but we knew it, it wouldn't be sustainable so we had to go back into the grassroots as well and now we've we've laid a foundation we probably started with three provinces at first now we have 14 provinces wow. playing cricket boys and girls under 15 under 19 and seniors so from then on from from there that's, that's the uh, pipeline that feeds mm-hmm. the national side so we've got local comps provincial comps interregional comps yeah from then on um, so I think from that first batch, we have three transitional
1: transitional um, softball players. Mm-hmm. And other than
4: that, it's just product of our
1: academy. And that's partly funded from ICC yeah. money and partly from government from our funding. From sports so the SAT, Sports mm-hmm. Story yep. of Thailand. Yep. Because of involvement with the Asia Games and, and things like that. Where,
4: um, So yeah, their, their focus is more on the multi-sports, metal sports. So yeah, we, we get a, a bit of money from that as well and there's pocket of some money that for, for our high performance programs and also age group developments and stuff yep. yeah.
1: So, and, and with a lot of the associate teams yep. in men's and women's cricket we do see a lot of expat heavy teams around the world why is it that the Thai team is um, indigenous Thai players
4: I think we chose to go down this path because the only way to grow that cricketing culture in Thailand because there, there is no cricketing culture in Thailand for the locals you've it's got to be played by, by locals, by ethnics. So that's that's where that's where the emphasis went, and it um, it's worked out for us. Yeah.
1: And then there was that that big moment, and I want to ask you three about this in 2018 when you beat Sri Lanka, you know, a, a, a top level team for the first time. I'd like to hear from each of you about about that day and what it meant to you and how it felt.
5: Uh, <laughs> in, all, in all honesty That
4: day she wasn't looking To, to win Or for a win But you know, it was the last game Of the group stages
5: And it's she just had
4: to put it all out on <laughs> the table, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, if it clicked, it clicked, <laughs> so it clicked for her that day, and then everything fell into place, and we won that game.
3: For that tournament, <laughs> we we're, were looking <laughs> three for, for three,
4: three wins, right.
3: <laughs> and then we, we
4: believed that we could win like <laughs> all those three games, <laughs> because man, man we prepared really well,
3: <laughs> so um, even because, because
4: in, in that game <laughs> she said she she, she wasn't bowling, confident t- but
3: um, how, how things played
4: out th- and and, th- and th- the rhythm th- of the game th- that, that th- dictated the, th- the victory so also plus th- points in, 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 in her captaincy th- that day th- 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 I think Sri Lanka th- they started really well they were going at 10 and over but then she she made a bowling change got a few wickets that changed the complexion of the game that swung the momentum from then on into our our court so also that day everybody played their part really well uh, yeah. so that day um she treats every game the same so there's not one special game or one week game or one Really strong opposition or one really weak opposition, so everything's the same. Prepara- preparation was the same.
6: Uh,
4: as I said, that they there was there was a momentum. There was a momentum shift when Noi changed the bowling. Mm. And uh, we've got we've got some wickets, run outs, catches in quick succession, and that yeah swung swung the game in our favour.
1: So I, I would ask, no, obviously you've played a lot, but recently the ICC changed the status of the game, so now it's officially T20 international games. When you play, does it feel any different? Does it make any difference to to have the official status or not?
3: So she treats every game before we got the status until we get the status all
4: the preparation or all the mental work that goes into
3: is the same but it is, it it is it good to see that you
4: know, we've got a ranking and then points that we get and it's good for statistics and everything but um, it's, it's just really figures that tell you or tell the world how, how well we are or how we're well we we placed but preparation, mentality, intensity, is always the same.
1: Now, Harshal Patak has been sitting very patiently listening while we got through the first part of the story, but you're a big part of the, the current chapter. You came on board in 2018. What did you find? T- tell us what it was like coming into the, the environment of this team in 2018 and what your first impressions were.
7: Well, the first time I um, saw them was in a tournament in, back in Bangkok the AIT Mm -hmm. so all these players were divided into different teams probably their provinces and all and I got to see all of them in a match scenario because you get to know the player how he or she responds or handles pressure in an actual match rather than just Mm -hmm. the nets or practices so what I could um, you know quickly find out was that they had the ability to bat and bowl and field for sure and I was very excited with that that the talent is there for sure so you know uh, the only thing what we what I felt quickly was that we need to work on a little bit of the tactical aspect the mental aspect mm. and Then once I started knowing these girls much more better in the practice sessions and all it made uh, things a little bit easier so because there's no one medicine to one person or, mm. or one medicine to everybody it's differently you know No is a different person Champ mm. is different and so you know you have to um, interact with them in a specific way which they understand and they can contribute also the technical aspect is different like you know uh, th- there would be a different technical input to jeans than compared hmm. to some other player so those were the striking features the other thing was i could see this the enthusiasm and the support and th- the best part was when i came to thailand the vision of myself Shan and Kader sir was same hmm. that we wanted to be a high quality team right you know once you have that then every door is open like you know then you are you were willing to put in that effort and, and the girls really you know the the significant thing was they really wanted to improve that was very good and very keen very dedicated you know you tell them one thing and they'll do that hmm. um, of course there's some convincing that goes into it because <laughs> I on yeah I honestly believe that no, rather than just doing it for because the coach is saying, no, you have to understand why you're doing it. Right. So if you understand, then you, you get involved in it. and You have you to have make the
1: player want to do it rather yes, than just, just obey for the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah.
7: And my aim as a coach has always been to make any player or team self, self-reliant. Right. So what I mean by self-reliant is that you practice in such a way, you gain experience from good tournaments in such a way that after a point. Your brain automatically tells you what decision is to be taken mm. at that point of time, so that is the tick mark for a coach. If it is self-reliance t- shown by the player, you've won the tick mark.
1: Thailand as a country is it's very distinctive. It has it just has its own feel to it um, culturally, socially. What has it been like dropping in from outside and and being someone who who now has this close association with Thailand?
7: Well. The first thing, uh, what I felt was, the people are very nice. They're such lovely people. They're so nice to you, respectful. And the best part is most of the time, you know, they're happy and smiling, whatever the situations are. That is something mm. which you can always learn. So that is one thing I said, I, I want to be like this. I want yeah. to be happy every time, which is not possible. for a <laughs>
1: <laughs> And then on the converse of that, you're... Background with coaching, you were with Maharashtra at domestic level in India. What could you bring from an Indian cricketing standpoint that that you could instill into a, a culturally tied team?
7: Uh, the place from where I come from, Maharashtra, it is in the western part of the country. So it is under BCCI. Uh, ambit it comes into mm-hmm. the West Zone. So every zone in India they have a different style of cricket they play. Right. So the northern style they are very aggressive and you know they just t- count in sixes or oh, how many sixes did i get <laughs> the south is more shrewd that you'll be aggressive but R- they'll right. still be smart
1: ms Tony style
7: yeah ms come from the east right. so that is a different style which the east has come up west is known for their skills and their batting abilities you know mm-hmm. the west zone has always produced some very high quality batters like you know gavaskar tendulkar and mm. some from maharashtra so I've been fortunate to be associated with that zone where we give a lot of importance to playing smart cricket, uh-huh. street smartness, tactics, very strong in tactics. Uh-huh. You know, so that was maybe that was the upbringing which I had been brought up with as a player yep. also. And uh, we give a lot of importance to technical aspects, uh, you know, having a good skill set and all. So uh, I worked with the Cadence Cricket Academy, which is one of the finest academies we have produced, mm. uh, many first class cricketers. Uh, couple of my students have played for India A against the West Indies, uh, three of them played for India under 19 mm-hmm. and um, I have been fortunate also to uh, quote, I have been the personal batting coach for Harmanpreet Kaur for two years and also now a new addition in my family, my mm-hmm. wife is a cricketer so a right. little bit of uh, background. So what we bring to the Thai culture of cricket or the Thai people is mm-hmm. I think the aggression being more street smart mm. more business like um, in the field so we have this motto of being aggressive on the field and positive off the field right so you cannot just be a, a person in a in cricket you mm. your, your other areas also reflect your cricket so the more you are positive of the field that will reflect you reflect your nature in the game because yeah. the game is a part of your life it cannot be isolated
1: so you play as a way of expressing your personality in a way like Absolutely. expressing yourself if
7: if you see a uh, lot of players Rahul Dravid plays in a certain way if you meet him off the field he's different mm. if you meet someone like Viru Saiwag he's different or mm. maybe a ponting so you can relate with the nature sure. you know, you know, there are a few people who are different off the field on the field, hmm. but that's a different thing. I wouldn't go right. into that right now.
1: <laughs> so you're talking about being street smart and that was reflected in the West Indies game. It was no surprise that there were a couple of runouts, both from really sharp pieces of fielding, um, a couple of brilliant yeah, how throws. Good was that? Yeah. You know, and uh, that, that must make you feel really pleased as a coach to see that. Yes. That, you take that opportunity, you don't let that slip.
7: Yeah, we always talk about don't give runouts to the opposite team but at least take two from the others uh-huh. so grab two don't give two yep. so that's one of the things which uh, we look to do because i think getting run out is the waste worst way of uh, getting out because there are so many other ways mm. and you add one more just because yeah if it is through a brilliant run a brilliant uh, stop or something yep. but generally runouts are out of error a mistake yeah
1: and we've been talking about this on the show a bit recently with a lot of new teams coming through that don't have the same baggage about conventions and so on. Uh, we're in favor of teams running out the non-striker. We think if someone's taking ground in the T20 match, they should be out. What do you think? Would, would you encourage your team to run out the non-striker if, if they're stealing ground?
7: See, it is a rule. Hmm. So you can get them out. Yeah. But um, no, since there is a rule, you can use it. But also there is a way which hmm. you can make them aware because if you saw the other day yeah i think the english bowler stopped and yeah, like, didn't hit the stumps but she gave a message that if you do that again i'm going to run you out hmm. so it could be done in a that in that right. way actually it's a little confusing for everybody you know <laughs> the, i don't know why there's this ambiguity over. There. right so if you're looking to win you have to do it but as a coach we never like you know promote it hmm. so it's something which you just Brush it under the carpet, oh, okay. kind of thing.
1: You leave it, leave it up to the uh, individual. I think you should run them out. Just
2: run them
7: out. <laughs>
1: they're, they're, take, they're they're this far out of their crease. Just go. On. I, I'm recommending it. It's a very good option. Free wickets, absolutely free wickets. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're you're all about trying to you know push this team forward and and you're confident about that it was interesting when after the new zealand practice match people were covering the fact that the new zealanders were sort of running a little workshop i thought in one interpretation you could see that you could say that that's a bit patronizing to be telling other cricketers how to play cricket like you wouldn't be here if you didn't know how to play cricket
7: see uh, to be very honest about that day i think it was a great gesture by the team and uh, you know it's good that they came and they did not come and teach us anything they just Mm. gave us pointers you know which could help so you cannot teach somebody in Mm. such a short time but it was very nice of them to give little pointers so that it makes the thinking process easier you know it relaxes the players Mm. who have already played at a higher level for a uh, long time passing down the experience of little so it was not Mm. like they were teaching or a workshop or something so you have to be present over there to understand that so it's easy to talk from outside. But uh, we were there, so we know what was happening. Mm-hmm. They gave us some nice guida- guidance, like you know, little tips. Encouraged us. So I think that was very nice of them. You're very. And diplomatic. In the future, if we could give it to someone else, we would surely do it. Or sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and you've said that it's important to you that um, you don't want to be the the good news story team that's that's just here for a, a happy headline. You know, you're you're a serious team. You want to be taken seriously.
7: Absolutely. Uh, well. Um, if if you see the amount of hard work the girls and the team they've put in and uh, the sacrifices where all of them have done right from the association to personally you know as a player everything um, anybody would realize that you wouldn't do that much of sacrifice just for mm. a story you know you're for business you are here to compete yep. and uh, just connecting both the things about learning. You know, people helping us out in the game and about we competing. I would just like to say that we are here to compete. And the competition and the game teaches you lessons. Mm. You know, automatically. You, I think people, whoever have have played cricket at any level will agree with me. You learn more in a match while batting, bowling, Mm. or fielding than you actually learn in in practices. In practices, you learn your skills or a little bit of... But you learn about yourself as a person, as Mm. a batter... In a match, you know, what your mental makeup and the skill makeup together, Mm. what is needed, you cannot learn outside the game. You have to learn it in the, you will learn it in the match when you play, Mm. when you put under pressure, how I responded, what I need to do. That is the biggest learning platform, I would say.
1: So where do you think you can take this team and what's your ambition? You know, how how long would you like to be around and where would you like to end up?
7: Well, I think there's always a short term and a long term um, thinking behind it. So, the short term would be, obviously, to s- become an automatic qualification into the next uh, T20 World Cup. But I'm not isolating this tournament as just the World Cup in the development of our team. I would think it is one of the biggest steps for us to learn when we get better like in future. So, this, this platform, this experience and the learnings and the implementation from this is going to help us hmm. in the 50-year World Cup. So this is not the end of the world for Thailand. Thailand. Like you win it or not. No, this is no. This is just an important step in it. So next important step would be a series. Uh, The the other important step would be the qualification where where we are going to learn a few things how Mm -hmm. to deal in the longer version of the game. Mm -hmm. So in the long term, uh, that is my short term. In the long term, I I personally feel that I would love to see our team in the next two, three years becoming one of the... um, Uh, you know the strongest batting lineups in the world in women's cricket that's my aim
1: and and you think you're confident you can you can build that um you know because it takes it takes a lot of building usually the batting is the the most difficult thing and and the last thing you know teams can get their fielding right they can work on their bowling but it's the batting that's usually the last one to come good
7: yeah i'm very confident the reasons i'll tell you is one is that we have addressed batting not just as a skill but as a as a whole like you know batting involves a lot of tactical decisions Hmm. then your mental aspect and and your skills so it's an integration of all these three aspects and the more you practice in a challenging environment i'm Hmm. not saying just practice in a challenging environment so every day a a pair of batters can go and just have a hit on the center wicket also without an aim Hmm. that won't help you but when you're trying to achieve an aim then that practice helps you mm. so if you keep on doing it consistently it will work for example I will give you the example of our team uh, where Jeans and uh, Champ used to open we started off with uh, practicing in the nets uh, about one bowler at a time then we went into the open wicket where they had tasks every day they will tell you in 12 overs they had to get certain number of runs mm. Noy had to get certain number of runs where uh-huh. she has got only 3 18 balls and she has to do that so when there is a task and you keep on repeating that That is what happens in the game. Mm. So, it is how you challenge yourself in practice is the most important thing. And you don't have to practice anything out of this world. Just think of what all the situations can come and just practice that. It's that simple. And then you do the skill part to support that practice. Mm. So, it's the other way around. You don't practice and then go, what do you want to achieve? And you do it the other way around. And just for statistical reason, I I can give you stats, not exact. But first, our run rate was very low, like somewhere around innings run rate was 4.5 or something. Mm-hmm. Now, in um, probably a year, it is become, it's, it's gone to 5.65 or something mm-hmm. like that. First, we used to, on an average, bat only 14 overs in matches. Now, we bat 18 overs. Previously, we used to lose 7-8 wickets every inning. Mm-hmm. Now, the, it has come down to 4 wickets. Right. So, there is an improvement statistically also, yep. but more than statistics. It is about the way we play effectively. We play the game, mm. how we chase down the runs, or how we set a
1: total. And and so, if that development can continue and, and on a, a steep arc, then y- you c- you could be somewhere pretty impressive pretty soon.
7: Yeah, that's the whole plan. Like you know, these girls have I've um, made them face uh, bowlers who play first-class cricket back in India who mm-hmm. who did not show any quarter to them. Right, they were nice, short stuff to them also with bruises, <laughs> and. Uh, noy and all the other bowlers bowl to some really aggressive batters who have recently got hundreds in first class cricket back in india mm-hmm. and they did not show any mercy there any any ball which is little bit off target was going into the hmm. stands or not the stands out of the boundary okay so i so think tough that kind love of, yeah, from yeah. <laughs> so i think that that kind of environment yeah. makes you a better player
1: I'd like to ask our players. Let's start with Naramol. You've all, you've all been playing for a long time. You've been involved with this team for a long time. What has changed over over the course of that time? What was it like for you at the beginning? What is it like now? What has your your years been like in this team? <laughs>
5: When she started out playing,
4: playing just we. just for the sake of playing having fun, but man, now man as she's progressed thai and, and Thailand, uh where where we are now it's are it's also it's a it's a mixture of fun and you know, new challenges every day and think it's just how the women's game it's been packaged now also. It's you know, it's just, just more exciting to be
6: around. Just more
4: exciting to just be in the movement.
6: Probably, um, goal
4: setting. So when she first started she didn't really have a goal, she just, just played for the sake of playing. But um, when we started winning, you know, come, coming first place in the Asian qualifiers and Getting into the global global qualifiers, then there was a different aim. There was a new purpose to uh, to her playing cricket. So that's where where she set her goals, and this is where she is now at the World Cup. No Thirteen years as captain, almost
1: <laughs> for you. This is amazing. Too long. Too long. Where, uh, when will you stop?
3: Uh, Never. To, to, to you. Oh, when, when uh, she gets no. <laughs> when she gets five T20, <laughs> 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 five T20 hundred. <laughs> <to get. laughs> when she first started <laughs> out playing, so
4: there, there was there was no clear cut goal, there, was, there was no pass, she didn't the rules. So. It's just her nature that she she likes to f- you know, find things out for herself, develop herself, mm-hmm. challenge herself day by day. So now she's in that position that you know,
3: she's, she's
4: become a creator, but she's always learning from new experiences, right. learning new tactics, learning new skills, You know, honing her skills to compete at the highest level.
1: What does it mean to you to be the captain from, from the beginning when when it was so difficult when there was nothing you know Thai cricket almost didn't exist and then now you're playing in a World Cup
3: ปับปื้มใจภูมใจคือคือ <laughs> There's probably the feelings of Of real happiness
4: Proud of the team Of,
3: of seeing where have,
4: where everybody has, has started From the struggles, the sacrifices And you know how Jeans maybe started out As a as a, a fast bowler And she doesn't bowl anymore And she's totally, you know Flipped Flipped into a batter Or you know, you
2: know there's there's a lot of things there's <laughs> drama, a lot of struggles drama. in the team and sacrifices <laughs> that everybody made to get to this point
4: so it's a very heartwarming experience yeah so she wants to cra- congratulate everybody
1: and how about for you Sean you've you've been on that journey as well you've you've helped build so much of the infrastructure that that this success has been built on you know what does it mean to you when you look back at all that hard work I think
4: it's it's probably the same as as noi there's there's obviously it's a very very touching emotional ride for me to to see from cricket from an infant infant level to where they are now it's just mm. yeah amazing
1: ride for me I think we've covered everything <laughs> we need to, to do to, this is it's, it's been such a great story it's been so much fun watching you play your first game you'll be playing England tomorrow and and hopefully the first of many World Cups to come uh, thank you all for thank joining you. the final one <laughs> thank you I'm Glenn Maxwell. Make sure you listen to my favourite podcast, The Final Word.
0: Jeff, Wisden Cricket Monthly. It's the best mag in the world and they work with us, we love working with them and edition number 29 of the revamp magazine, of course it it lived in a different form for many many years before that but we're up to edition 29 this Thursday uh, and we have our subscription offer still running as we do week to week and uh, it's it's an edition which they're very proud of, I saw their editor-in-chief Phil Walker uh, on Twitter yesterday saying it's uh, one they're very proud of, one they've uh, put a lot of work into, especially around um, how they've charted uh, England batting over the years
1: Yes, and, and if you're interested in, I suppose, the history uh, of English batting, we were mentioning Ranjit Sinji earlier in the show. They're talking about the craft from Ranji to root and all points in between because you have to have alliteration if you're going to, to make anything work. So, so that feature <laughs> traces the lineage of English batsmanship from the golden age to now, speaking to Graham Gooch, Boycott, Atherton, Stewart, Ollie Pope. And, and I quite enjoyed this quote from Graham Gooch, which is very Yoda. Anyone can bat... Gooch tells John Hotton. But can you make any runs? That's the question. Now, I would take issue with that and and suggest to Graham Gooch that if you can't make any runs, you can't bat. I would think that those two (laughs) things are so closely related that that indeed one is contingent on the other. Um, But nonetheless, Graham Gooch can say what he likes, I guess.
0: So plenty else in the mag, as always. They've got the 19 most exciting teenage cricketers in the UK. They've canvassed opinion from across the country on that, oh, their, their gear of the year uh, feature. That This is done over a couple of uh, months, but uh, I love watching this in the mag each year and uh, and mm. uh, watching the, the wisdom staff trial all the bats and, and try and work out what's what. But if you're after some new kit, this is a good place to find it. I'm just imagining Tony
1: Abbott in the Speed Dealer sunglasses saying, gear of the year, mate. You want, you want to try some of this? <laughs> gear of the
0: year. Get it in you. <laughs> Someone was saying the other day there was, a, there was an exchange on Twitter about what is the greatest Twitter day, uh, yeah. and, I, and I suggested that. I, I said that Tony Abbott with the Speed Dealers, but also um, we, we can't forget our, our friend and patron Nick Toovey who who exposed the Shame War mural <laughs> in mm. all its glory uh, back in 2015. That was a pretty good day on, on, on Twitter day as well. That was a great day on Twitter. Um, Uh, What else we got? We've got the exclusive interview with Misbah Al-Haq, who, of course, is the coach selector czar of Pakistan cricket these days, having Mm -hmm. given up the captaincy. Our friend Dan Gallon talks to Makai Antini about his career. Then we've got the columnist Andrew Butler's looking at Joss Butler. Is he too big to fail? I'm oh, looking forward to reading wow. that. Jeff, you stepped in for me um, kindly this month because I've been, been tending to winning. Although there was a lovely bit in the magazine about winning, I should add. Nice photo. Um, Fair and I, which Phil put in, which is lovely. But um, uh, you've written uh, about uh, New Zealand cricket this month.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've written about New Zealand continuing to pick Scott Kugelan, which frankly I think is a disgrace and uh, but if you want to find out a bit more detail on that you will probably need to read the piece uh, if, if you know the story then you'll know what I'm talking about and uh, if you don't you will be able to find out in the magazine but yeah it's a it's, it's not a pretty story but um, this whole idea of New Zealand being the good blokes of world cricket is a bit of a farce when you consider that they keep picking that guy.
0: Alright, Lawrence Booth is the editor of the Almanac he's looking at some of India's most influential but forgotten cricketers we've got Derbyshire's Greatest Eleven we've got a Ben Folks Keeping Masterclass and the Club Debate with Rich Evans looking at the business of the club game. Now how to get this deal Jeff bit.ly forward slash WCM final. So bit.ly forward slash WCM Finals. So Wisdom Cricket Monthly, final word. Together mesh together. Bit.ly forward slash W And for that uh, you get yourself a very healthy discount. You basically get the, the magazine for one quid or, or a couple of dollars per edition.
1: Yeah, this is the digital issue so that if you're in Australia, you can just have it uh, sent to your whatever device you're on, you don't have to wait for, oh, Mr Postman, yeah, 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 Mr Postman. Um, and, and you can read it whenever you want, as quickly as you want. So it's about 10 or 11 bucks for, for those six issues, Australian money, uh, one pound in the English money, so 599 pounds if you use our code. Go and get this ridiculous almost 50% discount and read things in a good magazine. That is all.
0: word Adam Collins Jeff Lemon we've got the lightning around let's rapidly get through this because Jeff as always you're about to be locked into the press box and having to sleep there not the first time that we've been in this situation before where people like you and I who were there late at night and are told get out now or you stay in there and you've just had that Mm. you just had that tap on the shoulder
1: Yep, I, I have never slept in a press box. I still maintain that to this day. And I freely admit when I've done embarrassing things, I'd, I would happily tell you if I had because it'd be funny, but I haven't actually done it. I've thought about it, but I haven't done it. I have had to climb out of Lords at two in the morning um, over the back, the, the wall near the north gate and climb on top of the guardhouse and and get up on top of it. <laughs> it's a fairly steep drop, so it wasn't a lot of fun, but it, but it has happened. But lightning round, we've got to race through it. Um, Australia, we're playing South Africa. Africa, the men's team in over in South Africa win some games at, at three or four in the morning, which I did manage to watch some of, despite the horrible time. But um, you were you were watching more of it, and, and oh,
0: well, look, I watched the first one. I, 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 I certainly saw Australia bowl out um, South Africa for eighty nine with an Ashtonaga hat trick, which I mentioned before, but enjoyed very much. Took five for twenty four. Starks, aforementioned Pearl, that's a Quinton de Cock. Um Smith was batting. Beautifully for forty five at the start of the day and and pretty much it was one of those solid um, games where everyone made a contribution with the exception of Dave Warner and in, in many ways Warner did too he was out second ball for four so even though he was out cheaply he didn't absorb any deliveries in, in getting out which um, which we hear a lot about from the data guys that you know if you're going to get out get out straight away T yeah. Twenty cricket
1: I, I quite enjoyed Neil Manthorpe saying that um, that Warner was sort of uh, booed a little bit on his way to the middle out two balls later and that they, they didn't really bother booing him on the way off because you know he hadn't been there for long enough. Although he came yeah. back and made runs in the second match and batted through the innings, actually, in the second match, 67 yeah. not out.
0: Yeah, he copped a bit of grief for that, didn't he? So he batted through the innings with Australia, um, only making it to 146 in pursuit of 158, which... Uh, well, look, you know that, that's that's. Uh, I didn't watch the game, so it's hard to reflect on the conditions uh, that, he, that they were batting in. But um, Quinton de Cock made runs there. Um, Stark went for plenty of runs, as did Cummins, as did Zampa, Zampa and Cummins, and Stark bowled so well before Agar cleaned up in the first game. So mm. building really well towards that. Um, T20 World Cup for the men in October later in the year. If this is the standard of T20 cricket at the moment with ball and bat, it's going to be a great tournament.
1: There was also a match at the MCG, the Australia A v England Lions game, where Australia A got fucking pumped. (laughs) There's there's no other way to put it. Um, The England Lions, they got put in on the first day and they played the perfect day-night game. They batted through the first five sessions. Then you know, by the time they were bowled out, you know, their tail hung around for long enough that they were almost to the long break so that by the time they they got in for the sixth session, Australia were having to bat in the evening which meant that each time a wicket fell the new player hadn't adjusted uh, and they ran through the top five pretty quickly and and bowled them out cheaply Um, so and and then forced them to follow on and and eventually bowled them out with some rain around um, although that extended things out into the fourth day but I particularly enjoyed the way it was reported on so after the third day when there'd been some rain and I think Australia A were about four down maybe overnight Curtis Patterson was still there but you know they they weren't going to survive that game. The email sort of digests of the day came through from the Cricket Australia people and the ECB people. Uh, The English uh, subject line was bowlers push England Lions closer to victory over Australia A at MCG. And the Australian one was, Australia A still in the fight against the English Lions (laughs) at the MCG. And they came through at the same time and sat next to each other in my inbox and the uh, disparity was quite stark. So yeah, the, the next level of Australian Talent Kawaja, Harris, uh, Moses, Enriquez, Patterson, uh, Nick Madson It didn't go so well. and your man, Michael Nisa went wicketless through that first yeah. th- that innings, where where the English Lions racked up four hundred plus.
0: Yeah, bad game for Nisa uh, on paper. Madison made a half century. Uh, look, uh, I just would refer um, re- refer to an article Dan Brettig wrote yesterday about this. He sort of pointing to the fact that the Australian men had a great summer, the senior team had a great summer and, you know, the the way they played it across their test matches and indeed the the T20s at the start and the way way they're building in white ball cricket at the moment is really positive. Uh, But the level below, the under-19s finished 5th in their World Cup and the two Australia A, proper Australia A games, so the one against Pakistan, uh, the day-nighter at, at Perth Stadium and, and this one, and there's a couple of CA11s in there as well, but the ones that really mattered in terms of second-string sides, if you like, they got hammered on, on both occasions. So hmm. uh, whilst it may look good in, I think Dan described it as, as the shop-front window of, of the men's test team the, and, and and white ball teams, the, you go the, the level below and I wonder... Well, the question needs to be asked is how much depth is there um, at the moment. so and, and Trevor Holmes was there watching that game at the mm. MCG, so some food for thought for the chief selector.
1: Last item in lightning round, New Zealand knocked off India in the first test match over there. Rissold India for 169 the first day. Kyle Jamison on debut got Kohli picked up four for 39. Southie got four for and then five in the second innings, ended up with nine for the match. Uh, New Zealand made 348. Kane Williamson in difficult conditions made 89. That was a really well skilled innings just just playing so late that that the the movement of the ball couldn't do much for him the the pitch was one of those classic new zealand ones where you can't really tell the pitch from the outfield it was so green Ishant bowled really well when new zealand batted 5 for 68 and and we've talked about his renaissance last week i think but um, it wasn't able to to knock them over cheaply enough with the, with the other bowlers jasper Boomrap struggled. Um, Ravi Ashwin picked up three wickets but a very convincing victory for New Zealand who only had to chase nine in the fourth innings to win and uh,
0: and get it comfortably. (laughs) Well they they did and and look the the New Zealand story remains an interesting one so the way they played against England to start their summer and the way they played against India to cap their summer at home uh, they found a method to win there almost all the time Uh, yet when they they leave home uh, different story so it, it's one to watch uh, whether they can find a way to now take the next step because they i mean beating india anywhere no mean feat they're a very very strong side i mean that's why the series they'll play against australia uh, at the end of this year after the t20 world cup they'll they'll play four test matches in australia they'll be fascinating viewing with smith and warner back because india did beat australia convincingly um 14 15 months ago and and uh, new zealand have done the job on them year. So yeah, well played um, to New Zealand. Uh, Kyle Jamison's quite the bowler, um, as you say, on debut picking up Coley and four wickets. And Tim Southey, who has been written off, I don't know, for five years now, Jeff, it seems like Mm -hmm. Tim Southey gets written written off once a year, Um, but he's still there, uh, still effective and still taking wickets.
1: Yeah, the Kyle Jamison story is particularly interesting in that he was a batsman until he was about 19 or 20 and, Mm -hmm. and then got told by Dale Hadley like maybe you should bowl just just run in and uh, f- as fast as you can and see what you can produce and, and there he is debuting as a fast bowler but uh, that's the lightning round for this week and I think that's yes. the show
0: for this week isn't it yeah it, w- it will be Jeff I- I'm mindful you've got to get out that door so thank you to Bad Producer Productions Jay Mueller uh, DC a lot of clipping uh, required this week to get that interview into shape with Thailand so we're really grateful for that uh, and all the team at Bad Producer Productions uh, jump on their website and listen to any number of other excellent podcasts they're producing they do a great job looking after us uh thanks to our patrons uh for the feedback we've got uh, for the videos we've been producing during the women's world cup uh, be sure to become a patron if you want to have access to those over the next week and a half also uh, get your nerd pledges in there at patreon.com forward slash the final word thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed the show. Uh, that makes a big difference in terms of getting into
1: the ears of more people and uh, thanks to our backers on the show in Seabus Super and Wisden Cricket Monthly who help us keep this thing
0: afloat. Yeah for Wisdom Cricket Monthly you can find the details of the offer in the show notes as you can uh, plenty of information about Seabus Super seabusuper.com.au and last but certainly not least thanks to everyone for listening week in week out to the final word. We love doing this show. We can't wait to do it again next week. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon signing off. to then, goodbye. Good night. So you know what I meant yeah. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself.
1: And there's some stories I can tell.